Welcome to the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. It's time for you. A podcast produced for the sheep industry by Sheep Connect New South Wales. Hi, my name is Fiona MacArthur, a network coordinator for Sheep Connect New South Wales. The Sheep Extension Network in New South Wales, which is funded by Australian Wool Innovation. Sheep Connect New South Wales has a membership of over 4,000 and our main aim is to keep you and your sheep business up to date on information about all things sheep. We are pleased to have you join us this season for our latest edition of It's Time For You. With over 70,000 listens on our podcast, we thank you for joining us. to this episode of It's Time For You. Today we are being joined by Rob Inglis from Elders to talk all about optimising lambing this season. Rob is the Livestock Production Coordinator for Elders and he helps the other livestock coordinators throughout the Elders Network along with his client base as well. Rob is also heavily involved in research projects through AWI and MLA and has delivered many lifetime you management workshops, Breadwell, Fedwell workshops, as well as our very own Sheep Connects New South Wales Winning with Wieners workshop. Rob's come to join the podcast today to talk all about lambing this season. We've had a great year across most of New South Wales. There have been a few little dry patches here and there. It's been a pretty good season, Rob, across most of New South Wales. So thanks for joining us today to talk all about what's going to hopefully happen this season. My pleasure, Fiona. So, Rob, maybe you could give us a bit of a snapshot of what you're seeing on the ground this year, scanning-wise and conception rates on how things are going, because you certainly travel the state very extensively, so you get a lot of feedback direct from farmers. I do, Fiona. A fortunate part of this job, I get to see a lot of country and speak to a lot of people. So, what we're seeing generally, Fiona, is yeah, is is high twinning rates again. Uh, so following on from a very good spring. Conception rates have been pretty good insofar as lots of twins, but on the flip side, we've actually seen quite a few lambs, uh, particularly with the January, early, late November, early December joining rather, uh, quite a few not scanned in lambs. So a, a bit of a mixed blessing really, a higher proportion of twins, but also a, a higher than average proportion of not scanned in lamb, which is going to present, you know, a lot of its own difficulties, obviously. We're already seeing it now. I've had several reporting fielded, several inquiries about um, twin ewes with what appears to be pregnancy toxemia already this season. Yeah, we'll probably flesh that out a little bit more during the podcast, I hope. So before sure. we go there, Rob, it's a really interesting result considering the season's been quite good and widespread throughout most of New South Wales, as we said before. Why do you think we're seeing the high twinning rates and high dries as well? Yeah, well, what I think happened, Fiona, was in, in spring, because it was such a good spring, such a prolific spring, that we had ewes in very good condition, and, and this was sort of proven in, in some of the lifetime ewe groups. We had ewes at the end of October, early November, in, in four-score condition in many cases. 
and and those ewes would have been weighing upwards of 80 kilos, um, possibly up to 90 kilos. So obviously, the the bigger the animal, the the higher the the body weight, the higher the maintenance requirement, the more energy is required to maintain that animal at that body weight. And as the feed, the quality of the feed deteriorated, uh, the sheep uh, are just physically unable to consume enough feed to maintain their maintenance requirements. So what we saw was some of those, particularly those great big heavy fat ewes actually starting to lose a bit of condition uh, coming into joining in November and December. So that put them in what we call negative energy balance, which tends to stop them or interfere with cycling. So it, 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 instead of getting a nice strong heat, uh, they either stop cycling altogether or we get a very weak estrus. Um, on the other hand, yeah, because we had ewes, yeah, because they were in such good condition, um, some of those those high ovulation rates, so we had lots and lots of multiple conceptions, but because they're on that sliding plane of nutrition, if you like, then some of those conceptions, um, yeah, they either kept a lot or, or lost a lot. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because it, you certainly, if you look outside the window as you're driving along in the car, it looks like there's plenty of feed available for everybody, but oh, we were joined a few weeks ago on a webinar with Sheep Connect and we spoke all about how we were starving in the midst of plenty because the feed looked really good, but in fact, the quality was really poor. So that's now affected our joining rates. Where do we go from here, in your opinion? Could rejoining be an option? Um, and if so, what would your advice be to producers if they're going to look at that avenue? Because we're getting later on in the season now. Uh, we are indeed, Fiona. So, so rejoining is an option, but I, I'd put put two sort of limitations or caveats on that, if you like. So I'd only be joining for three weeks because bearing in mind, if you're scanning at 13 to 14 weeks, um, you've already lost 14 weeks potentially. So joining for a further three weeks brings you out to, to sort of 17 weeks. Uh, you, well, you've got 17 weeks in an ideal world. We have 17 weeks of recovery from the end of lactation to, to next year's joining. We've got sort of 17 to 18 weeks of recovery time. So at the moment, if you join for three weeks plus that 14, there's your 17 weeks recovery time you've used effectively. So the only way to, to give your use those late join use to get them back into the system would be to wean very early. So weaning at, at eight or nine weeks would allow you uh, enough time potentially to get those ewes back into land next year. So that's the important thing. I guess it's 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 silly to, to sack. I mean, you might be gaining a lamb this year, but you're gonna sacrifice a lamb next year if you don't manage it properly. Alternatively, yeah. you could, if you were to rejoin those ewes, rejoin them to a terminal uh, and then sell the ewe, either scanned in lamb or, or land them down and sell the ewe and lamb in the spring because it's unlikely. Um, plus, this behaviour is highly repeatable. So if they, if they lamb late this year, it's highly likely they're going to lamb late next year. So really, they're better off out of your flock. But I guess it also puts on some implications for those lambs hitting the ground that you'd really want a lot of good prior planning to make sure those wean those weaners that are um, born as a result of the rejoining are really hitting their target weaning weights to wean early. You, you would, Fiona, yeah. So it'd have to be on a very, very good quality ration, a high protein, high energy ration. So um, yeah, if that's doable, well, fine. But I think in most cases, yeah, you'd be probably, and as I say, you've got to think about the implications for, for, for next year's joining too. If you're joining late, there's a high chance that those ewes are going to be late to join next year in 2023. Um, so really, uh, we know we know from data done from buddies, so 
work done by New South Wales Sheep Connect, particularly that your most profitable sheep are those that get in lamb in the first cycle. So those later joiners, later lambers are always a bit of a handbrake on your uh, on your business anyway. So if you can afford to, you're possibly best getting shot of them. Absolutely. Rob, we can't talk about this topic without talking about the importance of scanning. And you joined me on a webinar recently and we spoke about this. So I'd just like to revisit it because it was really interesting when we surveyed some of the producers online that not everybody, when they scan, they scan for singles and twins separately. So could you just take us through why it's important to treat, to scan for singles and twins and then treat them separately? Yes, Fiona. Well, from my recollection, about 22%, I think, of people who surveyed were scanning for multiples. Yeah. So why it is important, particularly in years like this, is there's just as big a risk of overfeeding singles on this really, you know, this high protein, albeit low quality feed, uh, as there is of underfeeding twins. So once we get to, to you know, lambing, basically, the peripartry period, you know, there's a two to three megajoule at least uh, difference between the requirements of a twin and a single ewe. But once we get into uh, particularly peak lactation, that that spread is close to uh, is close to seven or eight megajoules. So it's really yeah, it's sort of counterintuitive to be feeding those sheep the same ration. Um, as I say, the, the risks of underfeeding twins uh, are as, weak, as great as the risk of overfeeding singles in years such as this. Yeah. So, Rob, we know that they've got such a different energy requirement going forward from here, and we've spoken about how the pasture seems to be slipping into a negative energy balance this year. How can we tell if our pastures are good enough to provide this gap in energy or and when to start supplementary feeding? That's a really good question, Fiona. That's the $64 million question. So as you said, and you quite rightly pointed out, you know, to dri driving around looking at uh, pastures, they, they do look fantastic at the moment. They're, you know, fence high in places and, and still green in a lot of places. But if we were to do a feed test, which really is the is the best way to determine the quality of the pasture, what we're finding is the, yeah, the dry matter digestibility, which is the key number, if you like, in many cases is is below 55%. And we know from, from a lot of work done from DPI and et cetera, that once the dry matter digestibility gets below 55%, you struggle to maintain a dry sheep. So uh, a good example is a test we did on a, on a really good, you know, Mickey Mouse pasture. Uh, it looked fantastic, but the dry matter digestibility was only 53% which meant uh, in terms of sheep production, it was providing about 9.4 megajoules to a 60 kilo sheep, which is which is 0.6 of a megajoule, half a megajoule, if you like, below maintenance. So even dry sheep, a 60 kilo dry sheep, would have been losing condition on that pasture. So if a dry sheep's losing condition, there's certainly a sheep in late pregnancy, particularly a you know, 60 kilo twin bearing ewe, or indeed a, a, a ewe in lactation is going to be losing a lot of weight because they just simply physically can't eat enough of the feed to, to match their energy requirement. Rob, what's the best way then of monitoring the ewes on pasture to see if they're meeting these requirements? Yeah, well, the best way, Fiona, is to condition score. Um, the, uh, palpating the sheep as often as you can 
particularly after scanning, I would recommend I mean, they certainly should be palpated at scanning or or if you're not scanning, then certainly, you know, within that last six weeks at the start of the last trimester, because by the start of the last trimester or day 100, if you like, of pregnancy, you know, the dye is really cast. There's, there's very little you can do to change their condition. So if you've got sheep that are under three score, they really have to be put on supplementary or plus supplementary feed regime straight away. Uh, because if they lamb, uh, if they're under three score at, in, the, in the last trimester, then by the end of lactation, if they do manage to carry a lamb, you know, they'll strip a full condition score off them, uh, which means you're going to compromise next year's conception rates. So scanning, uh, palpating, uh, condition scoring you use certainly at the start of the last trimester and then as often as you can um, prior to that, because once, as I said before, once we get into the last trimester, the horse is bolted and ensuring that they don't lose condition uh, in mid-pregnancy, in early to mid-pregnancy. Rob, would you be treating your maidens in the same manner? Uh, absolutely, Fiona. Your maidens are yeah, potentially the best genetics on the property in most cases generally the hardest animals to get back in lamb uh, because they're not you know, fully grown generally by the point of lambing so so they should be treated separately they should get your best nutrition really on the property as i say because they are your best theoretically the best genetics on the on the station maidens should be should be um, monitored on weight rather than condition score particularly in their first season so up until the point up until about 18 months of age yeah, condition score really is not applicable. We should be monitoring their weights. So we can design a weight for age chart based on data, well-researched data. So we know that at nine months of age, we want them to be at least 66% of their standard reference weight. And then by first lambing, we want them to be at least 80% of their standard reference weight. If we hit those two targets, then there's a high chance that those, those ewes will remain, will continue to be productive. If we hit, if we're below those targets, then a the animal or the you probably won't get in lamb. But b if she does get in lamb, she's unlikely to follow up in lamb next year because we put too much pressure on her and, and stifled her her development and growth. So yes, it, with mature ewes, condition score is king. With your maiden ewes, weighing them as regularly as possible to make sure that they're not falling below that weight for age scale is is most important. And Rob, could you just refresh our memories on what a standard reference weight is, please, for those made in use? A good question, Fiona. So a standard reference weight, yeah, is the weight of a of a six tooth or full mouthed U, an adult U, in three body condition score, non-pregnant, bare shorn with no gut fill. It sounds that sounds like a bit of a mouthful, doesn't it? But we can we can of course weigh and calculate the standard reference weight even with wool and gut fill on. We just need to make adjustments. And condition score, we can adjust for condition score so that we know a condition score roughly in a, in a Pepin style sheep is about 15% of their, of their body weight. So the difference, if you like, between a three condition and a four condition score sheep at 60 kilos is about 10 kilos. And Rob, what are the condition, going back to the older use, what are the condition score targets going to be for those use? So we, in a perfect world, Fiona, we'd like them in three to three and a half condition score at the end of joining. So in a perfect world, we'd like to start them probably at three condition score and have them on a rising plane. So, so putting on weight prior to, two weeks prior to and during joining. That way we, we, we'd be ensured, we can assure then, be assured then that, that we'd have a good good conception rate and um, 
and good healthy years going into the to the first end of the first trimester. So if we can have the 3.3 to three and a half where the rams come out, that really sets the foundations for that lambing. So not not only we ensure good conception rates, but we've already ensured you know good placental development. So we're gonna we've already determined that um, you know the, the maximum birth weight of those lambs will be achievable. So we've got good fetal body weight, good birth weight rather. Uh, we've already set the ewe up to be uh, to be a good milk producer, so a lot of those, the foundations for, for birth weight, milk production, and, and later on the actual skin development and, and uh, confirmation of the lamb in, in later pregnancy are set are set up during pregnancy, and that's all you know part of in that lifetime ewe course. For those people who haven't done it, I'd strongly suggest that you you do it. it it's really good at managing your ewes prior to and through pregnancy, which I believe really sets the foundations, not just for this year's lambing, but also you know, ensures that you get a, uh, a good foundation for next year's lambing as well. Yeah, it certainly is a domino effect, whether it's a good or bad domino effect, how you set them up, um, how it carries on into the following sequence of events there, Rob. Yeah, how important is recovery period for next year? So we spoke about that a bit earlier in the podcast when we were talking about having an early weaning. And yep. what, but if we don't have to have an early weaning, what is your recommended weaning time to allow those ewes to have enough recovery for an optimal joining time next year? Good question, Fiona. So we want to leave at least, yeah, as I said before, 17 weeks or, or three months, three to four months, if you like, of recovery between weaning and joining. So assuming we're going to, we're going to pull off probably a condition score during lactation, particularly for those twin bearing ewes. So if, as I said before, if we can have them at three and a half score at scanning and going into lambing, we're going to pull them back effectively to two and a half condition score. So if we want to get them back into three condition score or three, three and a half condition score by the time the rams come out next year, you know, our maximum recovery on pasture is around about 0.3 of a condition score per month, and that's on good quality pasture. So there's a double-edged sword here. If you, if you leave weaning too late, uh, your pasture quality is not going to be good enough to put that condition on, for one. And secondly, you're obviously redu reducing the amount of time that you've got to get the condition back on those ewes. So, so there are two great advantages with weaning early or weaning while pasture conditions are good, is A, you give your ewes more time, and B, you've got your ewes going on to reasonably good quality pasture so that they can recover their body weight cheaply or economically without supplementary feeding. If you leave it too late, then you're probably painting yourself into a corner and you'll have to supplementary feed those ewes to get that condition, that body condition back onto them before joining. Rob, we've spoken all about the effects of condition score on the setting up the lamb for good survival. How important, though, is something that comes up quite regularly is mob size? Yes, Fiona. Well, mob size, and this is work that the AWI did and, and we were cooperators as well. The elders helped, we helped them with this trial work they did, which work done by Murdoch University, actually was coordinated by Murdoch University, funded by AWI, where from in, in a number of sites from Western Australia right across to the New England, uh, we, we or the, the trial experimented with stocking rate and mob size. So it was a, a, a four by four, if you like, a, a Latin square where we had a high mock high mob size, high stocking rate versus a low mob size, low stocking rate and, and the four in between. What what they found was stocking rate had very little effect 
on lamb survival, but mob size had a had quite a critical effect. So there was a linear relationship basically between mob size and lamb survival. And what the experiment found and what the trials found, is, and this, as I said, was insights from Western Australia to the New England, was that 150 appeared to be about at the cutoff. So twin bearing mobs of less than 150 had a high 80% survival. Once we broke through and above 150, it was pretty much a linear um, drop or linear relationship between mob size and lamb survival. So it dropped for every uh, for every 10 or 50 above 150, we had about a 10% reduction in lamb survival. So the sweet spot, what they found was, a, was mobs of, if, if, if in an ideal world, if you can lamb your twins in mobs of less than 150 and your singles in mobs of less than 400, uh, that appears to give you maximum lamb survival. I'm also really I'm mindful really that this isn't easy for everybody to accomplish because of paddock size. Do you have any recommendations on how people could maybe achieve this if they are having problems because they've got huge paddocks and not many of them? Yeah, no, that's a really good question, Fiona. But what we found in some of the pastoral areas is obviously, um, yeah, having breaking mobs up into 150 was impossible because of paddocks and paddock and mob sizes. But but where it worked in the larger paddocks was having multiple watering points. So if if sheep were, if if a large mob, say a mob of 600 twin bearing ewes, were able to break up into little cohorts of 150 or so, uh, we found that the survival rate was quite good. So things like rivers or creeks or channels where where sheep don't have to walk more than about a kilometre to get a drink. They can find some privacy, they can find enough feed without having to, to, to move too far from the birth site for water. So, so that was one option, having multiple watering points. Another option which worked quite well, a couple of producers just um, broke bigger paddocks up uh, using temporary fencing. So using electric tapes to break, so let's say, a, 100 hectare paddock into four paddocks of 25 hectares instead of mob uh, lambing 400 ewes in 100 hectares they had four mobs of 100 in 25 hectares using either temporary watering points or indeed if, if you're lambing in july in many places uh they didn't need water anyway they were just able to to, to break them up for, for about two or three weeks while the first cycle completed and in one case they lifted their survival rate just by that bit of temporary fencing by 20 percent yes certainly if you can get results like that it's definitely food for thought to try and see if something can be implemented to change your current strategy my word yeah excellent well thank you rob and good luck to all our listeners out there who are getting ready to lamb or already underway um thank you very much rob for joining us today and sharing your knowledge and expertise with our listeners my pleasure Fiona. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of It's Time For You, the Sheep Connect New South Wales podcast. If you haven't done so already, rate and review us on iTunes. We'd appreciate it if you could share our podcast within your networks. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Australian Wool Innovation podcast, The Yarn. We'd love you to stay in contact with Sheep Connect New South Wales, and you can do this in a number of ways. Join our network by visiting www.sheepconnectnewsouthwales.com.au and you can find us at Sheep Connect New South Wales on Facebook and Twitter. We look forward to seeing you at our workshops and events during the year. Thank you again for joining us today. Bye for now. Bye.